This is for the nerds. This is for the brainiacs. This is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it, man. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Solve for Why vlogcast. Every Wednesday, 2 p.m. on the dot. We have a lot of things on the on the topic list today. Berkey forewarned me before the show to not let my feelings get hurt. Something is maybe he has something up his sleeve. I told him I'll fucking end the show. Like, you know, whoever our, our loyalist knows what's what's you know, shows just end sometimes. Then like something gets said, we live, we just show's over. There's fucking 27 topics today. Perfect. So you better watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Berkey. You've been a major player in the streaming game this week. We you, shut that shit down. Yeah, I feel like you're streaming more than anyone has ever ever seen. Like you're on like a, a path to. Uh, Whoa. To... We got one month to do this, and then we're shutting it down for good. Nah, but like, remember when uh, McDonald's brought like that the McRib? Yeah, the McRib. Like, yeah. You can't just get rid of the McRib. No, it's a I'm... legendary thing. Like at that point, that's what they do. Yeah, but they just cycle the McRib. Yeah, so that's I'm like the Shamrock Shake. I come around for the World Series and then poof, gone. We're talking about the McRib, not Same the Shamrock. They're, they're both they're both like seasonal things. What's the Shamrock Shake? Every like around uh, St. Patty's Day, they do a Shamrock. It's just a mint shake. A, a mint shake? Yeah, I never liked mint. I don't think Smash people like mint. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Like it's like there's always like the mint, and then there's like the coffee, like mm -hmm. the coffee cakes or whatever. Like you never get, you always get the coffee cake. Mm. I'm just saying. All right. So you've been streaming. You got a thousand likes. I saw that. I bartered for a thousand likes. Is it <laughs> is it bad that like so th this was it. You were like, oh, if I get a thousand likes, I'm going to play high stakes cash. Yeah. You promised not to play high stakes cash almost ever on stream. You promised that one day and then the next day you did it. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the game was good and you couldn't resist. Right. Um, but yesterday you got a thousand likes. I was trying to look out for you, man. I was just like, I unliked it when you said that. <laughs> oh, that was you. I was like, I was like, nah, bro, like, don't do that. Like, you're giving them too much edge. Unlike, unlike. When we got to like 994, it went to like 95, 96, and then down to 92. <laughs> yeah, well, I made some phone calls. I'm like, yo, chill, bro. Like, this is high stakes, but nah, I'm glad you got it. Um, and then you've been playing some tournaments. All of them, literally all of them, pretty much breaking even. Uh, probably down a little bit in tournaments. Uh, it's tough to say. I, I, I'm sure. Actually, I must be down in tournaments because I'm up 5k total since the streams have started. Mm -hmm. My account's up 5k, but I've won a fair amount of cash. Like I won 12k in cash yesterday. I won 6k in cash the day we played. Uh, 100, 200, mm -hmm. getting a little extra spicy every single day. I've seen that. I've seen that. I feel like. You're coming into your own. Like. No, I think it's a, a reflection of me gradually losing my mind. <laughs> do you think it's a lot of work? Do you, do you feel like it's a lot of work, like, getting in there? I've said, like, I feel like I lose a little bit of an edge, like, playing. Because, like, it's just, one, I, I can't play as many tables as I normally do. And then, second, there's this, like, little bit of my mind that's, like, I don't really want to explain this right now. Like, so. Yeah, but just don't. Mm -hmm. Like, you definitely give up an edge, but not because you're explaining shit. Yeah. That's, if anything, you might recoup a little bit of an edge by explaining stuff because it keeps you in check. But it's not explaining things to myself. It's explaining them, explaining it in a way that they understand why I'm doing something. And then, yeah. and then, and then kind of hoping in a way that they agree with it. But why? 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 Right. Like, that's not your job. Yeah. It's the same as hosting this show, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you're there to put on a show. 
So like, however you want to formulate that, go about it. Like I do some explaining. I I've had to rewatch all the streams to pull timestamps for the highlight show that uh, we're trying to put together. And I explained more than I thought I did. That's for sure. But not nearly as much as like poker out loud. Right. Right. You know, it's not that in depth. It's just like, Oh, we have 20 here and a pretty good hand. I think we're going to three bet shove. And we just do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the running joke was every time Berkey says, this is close. You can guarantee that he's going to be all in. And that's, yeah, that's probably true. pretty true. <laughs> They're probably batting like 800 on that one. Yeah, maybe maybe higher. I mean, I'm not going to come into too many close spots and then just be like, oh, I'm going to pass. Although I probably should. I would probably have like slightly higher success. Um, but, you know, whatever. It's like I, I see streaming as kind of an all eyes on you to run your own show. Mm-hmm. And it's this like weird cross between a podcast, a diluted training video, a ask me anything and uh like just you playing a video game mm-hmm. all mashed together as one and so like you just kind of have to let your personality shine and and just like put that on display while allowing the poker to be the vehicle to yeah i feel like i'm all personality no no explain then do that (laughs) like that's all i want that's a good stream you know like i don't want to like it's like yeah you know like check back bet the evs are close man no but that's a good stream if you do that like i i think you just get too overwhelmed by having to run the stream and play the game and yeah carry the chat and all that other stuff yeah i'm gonna start doing like you i feel like sometimes you're like you don't like you let the chat just chill for a little bit and then you get back to it later you you do your stories you do your hands whatever i'm just like what does motherfucker say about me? Like, you know, like, and I'm just then I'm like, oh, I have aces. Trolling the chat is like one of the best parts of the show. Like when you can just shower somebody, that's that's good. Like you get mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, you get to emote a little bit. You get to show a little bit of emotions, and it's it's generally in good fun. Like this fake rivalry that I've developed with Kerstetter mm-hmm. is obviously like just in good fun, and it's a byproduct of a series of unfortunate events. But, like, you know, you just get to carry on with it. I saw it in real time, and I thought it was uh, <laughs> it was fun to watch. Obviously, it's not, like, super high stakes, so it's not like it's going to hurt you or anything. She's a witch. Maybe she is a witch. She's a goddamn sorcerer. <laughs> and I don't know what she's done, but I need this curse lifted. <laughs> all right. If you all liked that video, like, to our, like our channel, subscribe, follow us, like... I feel like we're so accessible nowadays. Like maybe a little bit too accessible. You know? Way too accessible. Way too accessible. It's like we're on TV, like not TV, but like we're on like the universe every day. The like, favors I get asked, I would be rolling my eyes if you asked me for some of them. Damn, all right, give me one. I No, because like they're so specific. Everybody will like they'll, each, they'll know each who person it is. will know I'm calling them out. All right, then just do them all. That way. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, like, just do them all. But yeah, like this video, subscribe. Like, we're trying to grow this thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like we're on here every single day. You're giving away 5%. You made me give away 5%. I was like, God damn, that's 5%. Edit. What'd that cost you? Like a nice, like a nice takeout dinner. It was like $36 or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, wow. I was like, damn. Wow. Big day for you. Well, yeah, you know, I was like grinding there. I was like cash. I don't, I don't even think I won for the day, and I still had to give away money because it's on cash, it's not wins. That's right. Maybe I, maybe I won. I don't know. Text. I, I was just like, God damn, I'm here. I'm paying you guys to watch me. Hey, we appreciate you getting in the streets. Nah, man. I'm- Finally streaming for the guys. I mean, I know 
it's a big ask. You didn't get no thousand likes, so mm-hmm. it's not like you want to be in there. Well, you can't be like Big Bet Berkey, you know what I'm saying? Like, like no one can compete with you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like you're like the next Jay Carver. So it's like, <laughs> like Jay Carver's out there. Like, you think you're doing thirty days straight and then took a day off? Jay Carver was in there with a pee on, like a pee bottle under the thing. He didn't even yeah, get no, up for breaks. That. You know what that. I'm saying? He Bro, was, you're the social genius. You should yeah. have two thousand likes. Mm. Is this the part that you were trying to like yeah. get me to? End yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I see what you're saying. Like, this is the part you're like, oh, like let me let me get it in early so so Chin doesn't end the show because it's way too early. Now, if I do it later and Chin gets, mad, I'm just saying, if I flex on you a little bit, you're gonna get a little salty. You might get a little spicy. I don't know what's gonna happen moving forward. I'm just saying, you're mm. a goddamn social genius. The people have come for Chin. We have a poster of you. Mm. We have a hoodie with your face on it. We got a pain scale. You're you're basically the company. Why? When when do we get to see the chin show? Oh, I see. No, but like the people really like it. everyone has their thing. You know, I host the show. I get spicy. You host your own show. We all need our own show. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Every now and then I go on your show, and every now and then I let you on my show. I see. I see. Okay, well, it's good to be a guest. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what I'm saying. Oh man, we are super accessible, and that's the that's gonna lead me into my next topic, which is. Kind of just like how things have changed. The new age poker player, the new age poker superstar, to the eyes of the people, the people superstar, like Daniel Negrano back in the day, they're super accessible right now. They're not like, and I've told you this before. It's like, I would never have thought like, oh, I'm just going to tweet to Tom Blonde and just be like, yo, why'd you, why'd you cold four bet Phil Hummuth with the Jack 10 offsuit? <laughs> right. And then check the flop on Queen 10X and then bet two thirds and then overbet the river. And he called you with a seven. I would have liked to know. I would have definitely liked to know. I think that would have progressed my, my career. But some of the footage we have, some, some of the old school guys, they've been streaming a little bit. Uh, but it's not the same. It's not the same. So let's play that up. Uh, so this is Lex. He's out there. He broke the record for well any, anything, right? Yeah. He, he made a huge w, w coop, I believe, or was it scoop? Scoop. Um, and he's out there. He's like the new school guy, right? Not as accessible as like us, though. He's just like, he I, I think I think he's pretty pretty public. I, I think you can get a hold of Lex if you need to. Okay, maybe you can, Big, big Bet Matt Berkey. Uh, okay, so now the mouth is out there, and finally Dnext he's doing like a little bit of a, of a thing, but he's still the face of poker, putting out an hour vlog every day. Not as committed as you, so the, it's a major talking point though. Like it, I feel like there's tears, right? So the old school brass. Would you say they're trying to become more accessible or is it just they're trying to stay relevant? They're trying to stay relevant, right? Like not Negranu. I think he just genuinely loves the game and wants to maintain his stranglehold on being on top. But everybody else has no churn behind them any longer. So Matasau doesn't have full tilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helmuth doesn't have UB. They don't have Poker After Dark driving their, their profiles. They don't have that public eye any longer. But Twitch... YouTube, all these platforms that are social platforms effectively allow for that. The exchange in a social platform, though, is that you have to be social. So you become a lot more accessible immediately, right? You're not being advertised or, um, I guess, bolstered by a major conglomerate that's just putting a bunch of marketing dollars behind you any longer. Now, Lex kind of has both of those worlds pushing him, and I think that that's a big reason why he is able to elevate beyond most outside of the fact that he's just a fantastic streamer right like it's just like he has great camera presence 
he's done a really good job of building his career. But he also has a, a billion dollar conglomerate like investing in him mm -hmm. and saying like, you're our guy. We're going to make you the biggest in the world. How do you feel about it? How do you feel about being like now more of like the new face? Like it was like Berkey in the beginning was like this like quiet, like at least people thought this of you. Like you were quiet, you killer mindset on the table, not talking much. Now you're out there yelling to the cameras. We did it. Like, is it different? It's different. Yeah. I liked being the person that nobody knew much about. Mm. I liked being like, I was the same way in college. <clears throat> I, I'll never forget this. When I transferred to my new school, I just showed up and I just worked and I was shy and I didn't talk. And it came off as like, I guess, gritty and a little bit uh, unapproachable. And I remember going on the spring training trip after I had like, you know, basically like, or, or after the spring training trip, after I got to like kind of chill with everybody for a week and do a little bit more hanging out. I'll never forget our uh, backup shortstop comes up to me and he's just like, I was terrified of you. <laughs> but now I think you're just like such a marshmallow. And it's like, yeah, I like that old perception better. Was that something you trained? Because at least for me, like I, I felt like I had to train table presence. Like I would, I would like sit in front of the mirror with like my hand like this and like, God. yeah, bro. Like I was legit. I wasn't fucking around. I was like, I need to see what they see yeah. and if it's scary, yeah. you know. And I and and I was like training table presence because I didn't like it was a real thing. Like I saw, yeah. I was like, I don't know. Phil Ivy looks scary. Tom Dwan looks scary. Patrick Tony looks scary. I don't know why Phil Homie doesn't look scary. So then I started, you know, because Homie is emotional. Mm. Those other guys come off as as trained assassins, you yeah. know? It's like, yeah, I mean, for me, like, intensity was never an issue. I grew up uber competitive. I was always fighting for the top rung on the ladder and was never naturally gifted enough. So I think that that, like, kind of comes through. And then my natural persona is just, like, very shy and a little bit introverted. So I tend to not put words behind it. But when I'm comfortable and you get to know me, I'm a lot more rambunctious, I guess. Yeah, you ride all the rides. yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm also not shy of shit talking, mm -hmm. like if I'm comfortable around people. I don't mind flexing and I don't mind getting flexed on. I think that's like part of competition. Mm -hmm. And it's a big reason what drives us, you know, but that wasn't something that I yearned to share with the public eye. Like, I think that that's for like your inner circle. Streaming changed that. You know, it's like I now have a pretty big inner circle in that kind of regard. They're your inner circle. Well, I mean, like, in the sense of getting to know what my natural persona is. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Not in the sense that they're getting invited to Thanksgiving dinner. I was about to say, like, they might just ask you for a little bit of money. Like, they always do, man. <laughs> they always do. All right, well, you got a little insight into the Berkey's DMs right there. Can't tell you how many people I had to explain to over the last week that staking with a makeup deal at mid to low stakes is just absolutely unequivocally not a thing that anybody with money wants to do. You're saying as the staker or the Correct. stakey? As the staker. Yeah, it's definitely like a favor. Like if you ever do I, it. I'd rather loan the money. Not that I'm mm -hmm. looking to loan money to anybody. Yeah. But it's just like there is no chance. I don't care if you're the best in the world. Mm -hmm. If you're asking for a mid to low stake stake, you're drawing dead. What would you consider mid to low stakes? Like capped games and below for cash. So anything like capped. 200 and out? Like, oh, you're saying like live? Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like anything that's capped, mm. uh, I would say is too small. Rake is going to be too much of a factor. 
Uh, and then for like MTTs, like 500s and below. 500s? Like live. You live. Right, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All this is live. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. live, online is different because you can just. Well, also, play just so online, hard. all these people are American. Online, I have zero interest. Like, yeah, yeah. unless you're top 3%, which you're not, otherwise, you wouldn't be asking for this deal. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, not, you're just not making enough. Do you think you could train? Like, so for me, like, most of the people I, I, I like stake and stuff like that, like, part of it is a favorite, part of it I like it, and part of it I think, like, they have potential to be good. And, like, if I help them a little bit. You're just maybe. accepting a mentorship, though. And that's great. You should. You should put yourself in that position because you're good enough to. But I've done that and I don't want to anymore. Yeah. I don't want I don't want any more Christian Sotos in my life. I'm happy with what I got. Oh, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I'm happy with I got with that I got you too. You know, Kick Rocks, uh, Jay Carver, Kick <laughs> Rocks, Vanessa Selps. All these motherfuckers. I'm glad I was your third choice. There was a, there was a couple more. I'm not, not going to lie. There was a couple more, but they never, they never responded. Sure. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Actually, it was only two. It was really only two. It was weird. Um, the way I was like, I need someone that plays tournaments and cash games. No, no. That's you what picked happened. the spewiest people you could find. Yeah. You're like, yo, let me hit up Jake Harvey, Vanessa, and Berkey, the three most aggro humans that aren't Tom Dwan. Yeah, I knew what I wanted. <laughs> what do you want? Like, It's like when I go look for a girl, I know what I want. It's like, it's like all right, she needs to be mostly Cuban. Uh, pretty thick in the right spots, mm -hmm. and like be kind of smart, but what not is this fucking build a bear. Listen, man, you got you got to know what you want. That's where you start. Uh huh. It's like you need this. You look for this, and then honestly, like some people believe in shit. I don't know if I believe in it, but like if you envision shit, sometimes shit comes to you. And for me, like I've always had the baddest chicks on my arm. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we're gonna get into our next topic, which is gonna be Mike Matasau just like making a name for himself in these streams and like ways that are a little bit new sure ways that are a little bit new so i'm gonna play this clip i got this guy's name written down i'm gonna find out who he is i'll see him in person i'll fucking knock him the fuck out think i won't watch and i swear to you i'm gonna throw him up against the fucking wall and tell him you fucking ever slow roll me again i'm gonna beat your fucking ass if anybody in here can find the name of this guy all right, on a serious, kind of serious note, like obviously he's trying to put on a show, but part of his character is this as well. We saw him get slow rolled by Sean D even a Poker Night in America earlier. He lost it. Yeah. He not earlier. This was like years ago. Yeah. yeah. Like like he lost it. He's emotional. You mentioned this earlier in, in terms of like table presence and things like that. Also, he has things that he's pushing. Right. He just mentioned like I'm going to give you fifty dollars extra to go in my home game. He also has a podcast. He's also he's kind of, he's trying to be the mouth again. You know. Yeah. I I think it's unfair. Well, unfair is not the right word. He gets what's coming to him. Mm. He's done this to himself. But I think it's mean spirited to recognize somebody who is emotionally invested in this game and then prey upon that. So like I think what Deeb did to Mattisau was fucked up because he's not in on the joke, right? Like, it's not good fun for Mattisau when he gets slow rolled by somebody like Deeb mm -hmm. because he's truly emotionally invested. It's probably case money. Like, you, you just shouldn't prey upon that kind of stuff for entertainment. Why? Why? Why do you think that? Because some people would say it's, it's a cutthroat game. Like, if I could get you off your, what is it called? A kilter? Off your kilter? Off kilter, yeah. Uh, yeah, then, like, that's good for me. You might lose Yeah, it. fine. But, like, Deeb's a big favorite over Mattisau to begin with, like... He did it for the show. It was a new show. It was entertaining. It's an iconic moment now. But it all comes at the price of Mattisau's sanity, in my opinion. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I don't like preying on the weak. 
Uh, slow roll me. Slow roll somebody that can take it. Um, I had a pretty famous slow roll uh, against D Neck. Yeah. Like, first time I was on uh, Friday Night Poker on Poker Go, like we played a medium to medium hand, and uh, I bet the river, and he tanked he had two pair, and he called, and I said, "You're good," and he's like, "Yeah, you know," and then he tabled his hand, and then like I slowly just tabled my hand, and he's like, "No," <laughs> like, but he's D Negs. That was bold. Oh man, I, this is the thing. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm I'm probably the least known person there <laughs> at the time, yeah. and it's like D Negs yeah, sitting yeah. with a hundred stacks, like yeah. just like balled out. You're that prick young kid though. Yeah, and I'm just like I'm coming for you, man. Yeah. Like I led the flop on some gangster shit, and then like like check the turn, let bet river. You're good. He's like, oh, I got the young kid, yeah, now, yeah. bro. You- I mean, the stakes are small enough that hopefully Dnegs can take that yeah, as a joke yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and things sure. like that. Uh, it's difficult to know who can handle and who can't. But also, like, I think that this is the difference between doing it to Helmuth and doing it to Matasal. They're both the same character types. They're both overly D-Nex, emotional. D-Nex, but yeah, no, no, no. Oh, I'm, I'm using Helmuth as an example. Oh, okay. Uh, Helmuth and Matasal are both overly emotionally invested in the game. It hurts, et cetera, et cetera. The difference is, is that. Uh, Helmuth can take it. And that's a byproduct of the life that he's created for himself. We know Mattisau's situation. It's not It's not great. Not anymore, though. Yeah. Le- All right, maybe. I don't know. It seems like he's in a new space. Yeah, he's he's maybe a little bit more uh, able to play, a little bit yeah. more healthy, whatever. He has a good support su- system. But it's not like he's fucking rolling in it. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? And that's my whole thing. It's like when people are putting up amounts of money that they can't lose. I, I don't like the idea of fucking with him. But we're way off topic because the fact of the matter is, in this particular instance, he didn't even get slow rolled. She was just multi-tabling mm-hmm. and playing a lot of hands and just came back to aces and probably just like can't believe her luck. Yeah. And, uh, you know, slowly called him, whatever. Um, the, the bigger issue at hand here is, in my opinion, not his emotional outburst. Like, okay, I think it's out of line to threaten sodomy and uh, mainly just because like the idea the premise behind it is that it's so emasculating to sodomize another person that uh it, it's a threat speak to the people like uh, what do you mean by sodomizing nah man i i, I said i was gonna say it now i'm not gonna say it <laughs> what do you mean by sodomizing man i'm like- not gonna say it they can look it up google it um but the the thing is is that i really felt like i was peering in on an Alex Jones show. Mm. You know what I mean? And Mike is a byproduct of Fox News. He He's regurgitating all of this fucked up, extreme conspiracy theory bullshit, right? And that part speaks to a certain audience that enjoys him. And the issue now becomes, like, I don't... Everybody wanted to cancel Mike over this. I don't think you should cancel Mike out of this. But I think he should learn a lesson. I think that he absolutely should suffer consequences for, you know, effectively doxing this poor girl, right? Right. That, so that's the line for me. Yeah. It wasn't saying, like, if I see this person in real life, I'm going to fuck him up. Madison's not winning that fight. No. Even against her. He is a crippled old man now. Like, know your fucking position. Know your lane, yeah, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like you're talking a lot of hard shit, and he's going to end up getting knocked out one of these days. And, you know, maybe that'll teach him a lesson. I don't know. But the whole point that I'm trying to say is in this particular instance, his mouth runs because that's what he does. And then he just apologizes later. Not good enough, right? Not good enough because now you're doxing somebody. What if somebody had taken it a step further 
and found out where she lived and showed up to her door, right? And, you know, done unspeakable things. And for those of you guys who don't understand how serious doxing can be, yeah. there have been significant instances where gamers have doxed other gamers, calling SWAT, saying that there was like a hostage situation at a house. SWAT shows up and kills the gamer. That's this has happened more than once, right? So like, it's, it's a serious thing. And when you unleash the internet, on another human being, even though that information is public, anybody could have Googled her screen name yeah. and found that 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 real real name, whatever. Not, it's still, my, not the mouth. It's right. Just. But but now it's, <laughs> yeah, obviously. But now it's with intent, right? People aren't just trying to find her for the sake of finding her. Now they're trying to find her because there's this bounty yeah. that matters out. And obviously he didn't know it was a girl, but it doesn't matter, right? The only difference is that if it's a guy, he wants to fist fight them. Right. Right? But... It's 2020, man. Like, that shit doesn't fly. And also, especially not when it's all hot air. If if it were me and he just, like, shows up in my door ready to push me up against the wall and tell me never to slow roll me, it's like, get the fuck out of here, Mike. Yeah, you got three dogs to your fucking leg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like, he's not going to do anything is my point. Mm -hmm. And when somebody with a big mouth like that speaks first and apologizes later, it, it's okay when things are innocent. But, like... It's not all that innocent now. And on top of that, when he comes to the realization that he's not winning any fistfights, how much further does this escalate, right? How much further does it turn into like, well, I'm Mike Mattisaw, I'm strapped. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it gets to that point. You know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to imply certain things, but it's just like, if he gets to a point where he talks himself into a corner of having to watch his back. Now, all of a sudden, this turns into some, like, random violent episode because you got fucking slow-rolled in a poker game. I feel it, man. I, I agree. I, I think that there's, like, you said it really well. Like, he doxxed this person. It obviously didn't escalate, but it could. It, I think it, it didn't escalate just because it was a female, mm. which is good. Thank God there's a fucking line, right? Yeah. But, like, you know, where where do we draw it? Like, why why wouldn't a male deserve the same sort of apology? deserve the same sort of protection from the mass right we all swarmed when we found it was a woman and we're like hey now in retrospect everything you said he doubled down he finds her on twitter calls her a cunt and basically just like tells her she's an awful human being and she handled it so gracefully just literally laughed and said wasn't even trying to slow roll and that was it yeah she, that was it. It wasn't like right. Anyone that plays online understands. Like, okay, she probably has like six tables going. She's in the middle of another hand. Comes back, sees aces, clicks call. Yeah, and like Mattisau's over there on a stream saying like, oh my god, she's slow rolled because me. the whole world's about him, mm. right? Every single second of that clip was simply about how it impacts his current state. But the uh, the main thing, this is okay. I want to know if I want a WPT title and I win bracelets. Yeah. Are you going to have a poster of me behind you? <laughs> Bro, I got a poster of you now. You haven't done shit. Hey, man. I, have <laughs> I just got you with different expressions on your face. Yeah, well. I'm out there. I got you. All right. Our next topic is about WSOP, actually. And it's WSOP North America. We'll call this WSOP North America this time. And there's been a lot of complaints still. It's still, still a lot of complaining. One, we've spoke about this. And there's no guarantees. But two, these events are going long as hell. Like... I don't think. I just think they start too late. Well, that's why they're going long. I don't think they're long at all. They're they're eleven and twelve hour tournaments. That's standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not long in terms. Sorry, they're going late. Late. Sure. Late. So if you're on the 
the East Coast. You're you're finishing at six. Yeah. You know that sucks. Yeah. yeah. Um. Also, like the, the schedule still feels as if maybe they could have done more. I'm not. It feels that, a little light. It feels light. Right. Uh, I mean, I think they've done a great job with the OC. Uh, like yesterday's schedule, I feel like they could put out every day. Yeah. But it was some a, days it's just like nothing. Sundays and Tuesdays are huge, right. huge slates. Uh, I think I played like seven or eight events yesterday. Uh, but usually Sundays and Tuesdays are their normally huge. Slate. Right. And I guess what I'm saying is like you have everyone's attention now. Yeah. Maybe outside of like Mondays and Fridays. Uh, actually, that's not even true. Fridays should be a, a peak day now yeah. because you're, ta- you're, you're running bracelet events for the working person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel like they could run out yesterday's schedule almost every single day. And it was a 1K, two 500s, 100K guarantee, a 50K. So they had two 50K guarantees, which were a 1K and a 500, 100K guarantee, which was a 500, a 75 guarantee, 75K guarantee, which is 215, mm-hmm. the bracelet event, and then like three turbos that were all at least 25K guarantee. And then another 250, which was a 40K guarantee. That's a huge slate. I mean, yeah, the guarantees, they're not massive, but they were all doubled. At least the 215 got like, uh, I think like 140,000 in the prize pool. Um, the 1K was well over the 50K guarantee, probably closer to 100, maybe, maybe even. Do you more. think they just didn't gamble? Like, they, like they just didn't gamble. Like, they, they put the guarantees super low. Like, they know they're going to hit it. They're doubling the guarantees. That's like, fine. That's fine. Who gives a shit? That doesn't matter. That's just a marketing thing, right? Uh, my issue is, well, I'm saying there's no, there's no guarantees on bracelets and there are low guarantees on other events. Right. And what I'm saying is that doesn't matter. Like the the players keep putting an emphasis on that, but who gives a shit? People are still showing up, mm-hmm. right? The guarantees are just to bring people in the door. Yeah. Nobody's not coming because there's no. Well, guarantee. the argument is like if you hire, if you raise the guarantee, it feels like the company's taking a chance. People do come in the door. Why do they need to take a chance? Because other people are taking a chance. There's there's ACR. yeah, because other people aren't double ASOP. Well, you know. ACR has a that, wide think, net to I cast from I, to bring in new players. You have to understand WSOP taking a gamble. Don't be yelling at me, dog. Well, because I think <laughs> that this is this is this is very clearly misunderstood by the community. Mm. WSOP taking a gamble, they, they, there's only so much they can widen their net. You have to be in Jersey or Nevada. This is the thing. This is this is what people are saying. You can't just keep saying like we're WSOP. At some point, you like we're Sony. We do every like we're Sony, and then like Samsung comes in and eats their lunch. You know what I'm saying? Like that's. That's kind of what people are arguing. ACR is putting out sure in a free a, a market. Huge, that's true. A huge thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, ACR is a little bit gray, but global is not. Global is legal. You know what I'm saying? So like, let, let's look at the ACR schedule. Let, let's let's pull up the graphic of the ACR schedule. Huge guarantees. You know, looking at 50 million online series from June 14th to the 28th. Huge OSS. Then global comes in, and they fire up their own uh big thing here, which is like. Five hundred five. Wait, that looks way too big for me. That looks okay, but around like two point two five million in guarantees. Like effectively, like people are putting out guarantees. You're making the argument of well, first of all, their OC mm-hmm. alone mm-hmm. is over three million, so it already is bigger than global. Yeah, yeah, and they're only in two states. Global's nationwide. So you you're, you think they're? I think the guarantees mm-hmm. are just marketing points. It's literally nothing. Uh, ACR's fifteen million guarantee. Who the fuck cares? WSOP is going to have 50 million worth of guaranteed events, or not guaranteed events, 50 million worth of prize pools over this mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. Every bracelet event has been over a million with the exception of the 08 in the prize pool. So like that's at least 31 million right there. Who cares if they guarantee it? So if they guaranteed everyone at a million, you'd be happy and say like, oh, we have 31 million worth of guarantees. They'd be lowballing it by so far 
Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why it are you yelling at me? I'm, I'm, I'm speaking you're, you're, for the people, man. Right? Well, I, I am just. You're I getting am the, just. You're getting the. I, don't kill the messenger. You know Listen, what I'm saying? Man, it it just doesn't matter. The guarantees aren't a risk. They're just a marketing ploy. ACR is not making guarantees. They're not going to meet. ACR has they this. They do. They don't. They they miss them sometimes. Sometimes, but not by much. They missed a couple of those two fifteen millions. Like they missed a couple. Like they they miss. And then they pull it. Well, they're they're, set, they're setting up for like their venom series. Setting up. You stop running a million guaranteed to set up for a guarantee? Seems like, you know. They, That's insane. They just don't want to compete with WSOP right now. Right, right. It's a smart move. No, it's not. You should be cru crucifying them. Mm -hmm. They could be drawing attention away from a regulated market that's only available in two states. Right, right. They're choosing not to. They're saying, like, this will be our downtime. Yeah. So I don't understand. This. None of this makes any sense to me. Like, why? number one, why would the WSOP take any risk with minimal reward? They can only physically get so many people. Right. And no one in Jersey or Nevada that wants to play online poker is not playing these events. Right, of course. They're going to play regardless. Right, right. So the ceiling isn't much higher than what they're already achieving. Mm. So there's no need to market. Do you think Do you think if they did like raise the bar a little bit, that people would travel to these places? Because they do want the bracelet. They do want these big guarantees. I, I don't think that anybody's not traveling due to a lack of guarantee. Everyone knows these events are going to be big. I think that they could do a better job of building out a bigger schedule that caters to people playing bracelet events. These bracelet mm -hmm. events are big buy-ins and yeah. the bulk of their schedule is, you know, medium-ish. 20K guarantees and below. Right, right, right. And it's like that just doesn't move the needle for somebody playing mid to high stakes. Right. So we would like something where we potentially don't have to go to ACR. Right. Potentially don't have to go. Because like I'm opening up both clients. Right. I want an eight table. Right. And I just can't. Yeah. So I'm opening up like I have three WSOP, five ACR. Right. It's like I would rather just have the the huge buy-ins on WSOP and maybe not have ACR. Yeah. And if for ACR side, if they put up big buy-ins with like big guarantees, maybe I don't play. So that's the part where I'll agree with you. I don't think they gambled hard enough on their side schedule and making those guarantees uh, attainable and large. They did the 215 every day. I think that's a great addition. I think they could literally pump out a Tuesday slate and a Sunday slate every single day mm -hmm. and they'll smash. And then I think if they want to to up the Sunday slate more than it already is, add a warm up, add a second chance, you know, something similar to what we saw pre Black Friday on a full tilt or stars, I think that they would absolutely just crush. Yeah, I think I think that would be amazing. And if they do that and maybe, you know, lower the rake a little bit, you know, give us a little bit of breathing room, I think people would love it. People would be really happy. Yeah. You, know? uh, you can focus on the rake thing all you want, but it's literally one event a day. You're playing, like, I'm playing six to eight events on there mm -hmm. where seven of them are low or yeah. normal rake and one is high. Well, I'm saying if they add these things, like, also, you know, just uniform the rake and everybody be pretty happy. They're going to make yeah, more yeah. money anyway. Yeah. You know yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know enough to know if this is a juggling act to protect liquidity or not, right? Where it's like one of those things where, and, you know, this is going to carry us into the to the pads conversation of when is too much too much, mm -hmm. right? Like, at what point do you start to strain your ecosystem due to the fact that you're offering so much that uh, people are just going busto, firing? I'm not gonna let you call the show. You know what I mean? Like, I, like the topic is I have an order. Okay, no, you're replaceable. As, as as well as uh the I can do everything. You can try to do everything. <laughs> sure. All right, Poker Guru, who you've called out before for playing a hand poorly, 
wins a bracelet. Not only wins a bracelet, wins a bracelet with you commentating on him winning the bracelet. Mm -hmm. One, you're really unlucky. (laughs) (laughs) Two, you and I both watched in real time. A couple things I want to talk about. So first, let's talk about Pokeguru winning this bracelet. Obviously, big deal. But honestly, you dominated the conversation. Like even running up, like the run up to his bracelet was, oh, like his beef with Berkey. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it was even like the Berkey beef guy. What did you feel? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, this is this is uh, an elementary schoolyard fight. Like yeah. I don't dislike the guy at all. It wasn't like Holyfield and Tyson. Like it wasn't. No. I, I think it sucks that uh, it was even a conversation. Like this guy's doing something that is going to be a major bullet point on his resume, I shouldn't be in the conversation at all. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I saw, I thought he played incredibly well. He was by far the most accomplished player at the final table, and it was a very profitable situation for him. Like, when he came into that final table with that many chips, I was like, this is going to be difficult for him to not win. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were a couple of hands that he ran some pretty exploitative lines on. They were good. They were really good. They were basically lines that were necessary to be able to pull the trigger on in real time because his opponent was allowing him to do so. Yeah. Certain certain hands that come to mind, there was a 7-3 of diamonds hand where like villain ends up like making a bet where it probably should have checked. He check called, check called, and then like led half pot right. on the river. And then Guru ends up like shoving all in. Yeah. You know? So yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was fun to see the I don't want to say rivalry because it's not a rivalry, but it was like a little bit of like the WWE kind of thing where it was like, okay, like there's a little bit of a beef. It kind of like, no, I think that shit's good for poker for sure. Uh, And, you know, he gets his time in the spotlight. Like he won up me. He has a bracelet. I don't. He uh, won two tournaments in a day. I haven't. Like these are things that he should be very proud of and kind of let him hold his head Does it push you a little bit? Yeah. Like pushes you a little bit? Yeah. Like you really want to. I said this to you. My response to you was that he gets his moment in the sun now he gets to kind of like puff his chest and say i was right all along and that's fair he deserves it he earned it but at the end of the day like this is all in my hands mm-hmm. if i just go win a bracelet tomorrow it just all flips it's, right back yeah exactly right and it's like that's the beauty of sports that's the beauty of sports narratives uh the narratives that get built in any sort of competition not trying to say poker is a sport but like any sort of competitive environment that's the narrative that media builds. That's the narrative that naturally builds. And I think that we need a lot more of it. Um, you know, I've kind of been saying that the old guard's irreplaceable because they had so much churn mm-hmm. from big corporations and, and multi, uh, multimedia and things like that. And that's true. But they did a fucking great job of hamming it up, right? Like we knew who the, the rivals were. Mm-hmm. in the game back then we knew it was phil homie versus the world we knew it was that- very much phil homie versus tom Dwan. he hated tom Dwan. like yeah. like this new kid yeah it was like- we saw like the crew become a thing with like scott fishman and uh dank dankness and all those guys when they were coming up and like they were the the hot ticket on the scene and i, I just Robo, that- you're saying like that kind of crew no, the crew was literally a thing, like the crew. Just oh, like no. Andrew Robo and those guys were shipping Halabalas. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, read that book. Everybody needs to read that book. It's incredible. But anyway, the whole thing I'm trying to, to, to circle back around is that 
these things are great. They they are narratives. They they help Jeff Platt's stream not be mm-hmm. just Jeff Platt talking about like, oh, look at what other big name made it deep in a bracelet event. You guys should care because we've somehow ordained these bracelets to be the only thing that matters in poker. For sure. Like imagine if it weren't just bracelet events. Imagine if Jeff just did this for every tournament that played down, right? Like he just has like 12 tables up and he's like, look, Berkey's deep in the 5K guaranteed $10 rebuy. (laughs) And like tries to make a story out of it. I think they would have to start paying Jeff to do this. For sure, for sure. Okay, I do remember the guy that he punched Helmut. It was Sam Grizzle. Yes, that's who I was thinking of. Yes, yes. Sam Grizzle. Sam Grizzle, yeah. Sam Grizzle loves us though, man. He was, (laughs) listen, he was was at the wind playing 510. Yeah. Sitting with like 800 bucks or whatever. And... We're sitting like pretty stacked up, you know, it's on a capped game. And he's just, he's something, man. Uh, he loves, he loves us though. He's like, I like you guys, man. <laughs> he's like, you don't, you don't play like them. I, I have an epic Sam Grizzle story. Fact check me if you will, because I don't know. I heard it secondhanded from Todd Brunson. Like, and this must have been eight years ago now. I got dinner with Todd Brunson and uh, Birdo. They were good friends. Um, and Todd tells me this story about Grizzle where he's at the Commerce and he's playing in this 800-1600 stud game. And I can't remember who was backing him at the time, um, but whoever it was, Grizzle was like buried and finally got out and was like a small winner. Mm-hmm. So he was like a $3,200 winner, like two big blinds, right? Or two big bets. Mm-hmm. And his backer comes and, like, physically pulls him. Wow. And Grizzle's like, I'm not leaving. And the backer, like, just takes all of his chips. Wow. Leaves him with his one big bet. That's crazy. Brunson said he runs this big bet up to, like, 150000 That's so Something sick. insane like this, right? Oh, my Lord. And then bust it. Oh. Bust the whole thing. Has, like, $500 left. And this is, like, going on 36 hours or something like that. Goes and registers the tournament that they're running. This must have been like during LAPC or something. And wins it for like 30K. Oh, I've heard this too. Goes yeah, back to the stud yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, I've heard this. It was crazy. Dusts it off. And as he's walking out, has to ask somebody for cab fare. That's <laughs> so wild. I don't think we'll ever hear those stories again, man. No. Like people are no. just too like, there's no like, at Bellagio, like everyone's fucking drinking green teas. Like. <laughs> I'm serious. It's just like one guy goes, can I get a green tea? And then like five of those, oh yeah, me too, me too. And it's like, me too. <laughs> like, motherfucker, fucking play ahead. Yeah, the thing is too now, like uh, the cliques that form within this community do a pretty good job of protecting one another. Yeah. So like they don't let those stories out. And unless you're a Twitch streamer who's willing to divulge your own, uh, they just like never get out there. Like I've I've played some epic fucking spots in Ivy's room with kids taking shots where it's like, I know that they just busted their role mm-hmm. or they at least put a big hurting on their role and six of their friends. Um, you know, like there, there are some guys that just fire, but like, I'm even hesitant to say who they are because like, I don't know how much. You don't know whose life you could be ruining. Yeah. You know like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to be critical of anybody, especially somebody who's in there gambling and losing. What if their backer hears it and is just like, Oh, I knew you were a losing player. Like you've probably been lying to me, yada, yada, whatever. Right. But it's like, I've played some hands with people who I know aren't super rich. And I'm just like, whoever's money this is, (laughs) 
needs a fire extinguisher because you can't torch it fast enough. It's true. But like, you know, that's how those games run. I also feel like there's a like within the high stakes, there's a little bit of like you don't step on somebody's toes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you, like I, uh, unless it's me, man. Yeah, that's true. They will fucking come at me. I don't But give I've a shit. seen some shit like, you know, you I I told you some of the things I've seen. Like I'm like, yo, I've seen this dude fuck over his backer. For yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. 100%. It's like it's like this dude. Like he's already buried 50k in the yeah. game, and then he starts texting his backer. Hey, I'm about to sit in this game. Yeah, I'm like, bro, I just saw that. Like, right. And I saw it right there. Like just straight free rolling. Yeah, I'm like, I could just gonna play on his own dime if he won. Yeah, and it's like I saw that a hundred percent. I could have took. I, sh- I should have just been like, yep. And then be like, dude. I'm blackmailing, fucking blackmailing your ass. Like, you better get me in every fucking game. I'm playing every fucking game. I'm gonna get the best seat. Yep. Your fucking backing deal is over. All right, back to the to the to the stream. Mm-hmm. Finish out that topic. You mentioned something that got a little bit spicy. Oh yeah. You you mentioned something that got a little bit spicy. Dude's playing uh, Guru Heads Up. Mm-hmm. He's playing what we would deem to be suboptimal. Oh, he's a wreck. He he was. Uh, I think. Tuck said he was a real estate yeah, agent. Or he's something. a real estate mogul now. Yep. He's not playing what you deem to be the best strategy. Sure. You start mentioning on stream like, oh, I think he should raise. Uh, I think he's he should raise more preflop. I think he should be making bigger calls. Then, ironically, right after, a couple things happen. He starts raising preflop. He makes a big call with like fourth pair of the board, which is actually a good call. I don't know. Results oriented doesn't matter, but it was a, it was a good call. Mm-hmm. Then a couple minutes go by. Big homie, the real estate agent, is like coming back. He takes the lead. Yeah. And you start saying on stream, like, oh, I'm starting to feel a little bit like not comfortable because I feel as if maybe I'm influencing something. Mm-hmm. And then pick it up from there. Like, what so, happened? So, what happened is he took the chip lead and then he limped the button. And I was like, uh, you know, like whenever he was behind, this made a little bit of sense. But now that he has the chip lead, he really needs to leverage his position. And understand that like playing big pots in position is more critical than playing big pots out of position. And uh, the very next button he opens, and it was the first button he had opened the entire session. It's like, okay, he's listening. Mm-hmm. That was the aha moment where it's just like he has to be watching. Like there's just no way he's not. And even if he's not, now I'm aware of it. And so like even if even if this isn't a thing, even if he's not listening to a single word and it just was happenstance that that was the order of events. I still understand now we're in real time mm-hmm. and we are influ- we have the potential to influence action. So I just stopped. I was like, Tuck, we're in real time, right? It's like, it's like a three second delay. I go, okay, so they can hear everything that we're saying. And he's like, yeah. I was like, okay, so me talking strategy while they're in the middle of the hand could easily influence their action. And he kind of dismissed it like, you know, they got this far. They're not going to listen to you kind of thing. It's like, that's not the point yeah at all <laughs> yeah even it, it doesn't matter like okay say for example i'm there and i consider myself pretty good and maybe there's someone that's even worse than me commentating he might say something that might trigger right it's all subconscious you know? yeah. yeah it's like he might say like he may he might say something that i'm not catching in the real heat of the battle right he's there like oh if you have the four of spades here you probably could do this exactly and i'm like oh yeah that's right right and I just pull the trigger. It doesn't matter if he's better than me or not. Exactly. He could just say something. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah. And this is why live streams are run on delay. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's just like, this is no different than us having whole card. I mean, we don't have whole card information. That's really the only difference here. So I'm speculating. But I'm good at my craft. My speculation is worth something. 
So again, like even if it's only ever so slightly influencing in some sort of way, shape or form, it's really fucked up. And I was just immediately like, yo, this is really unfair to Guru because, you know, whether or not this guy's listening, I'm going to potentially influence his action way more than Guru's. Right. Right. Like between the two of them, one of them is very confident and sound in their strategy and the other one just seemingly is not. So it's just like, this is pretty shitty. Like whatever his EV is in this heads up match, it's got to get reduced if this guy's effectively getting ghosted. So I just like clammed up. How did you feel? Like I, I was like, proud of you for doing it you know i'm from dr i don't know if i could have done it like this dude got beef with me i would have been like yo dog sorry bro like yeah maybe i influenced it but like you know you guys are good players you guys are heads up you know he could run up like even stan grizzle did it fucking one big blind to hundred thousand like whatever but okay the chat starts going like a little bit against you at that point it's like they're saying like oh you think it's all about you like this isn't about you like like stop making it about you whatever and you were like they could talk all the shit they want. Like, this is how, this is the real deal. Like, how'd you feel like when people turned against you there for a second? I, I mean, I don't care. I, I don't care. Like, people are going to create whatever narrative they want. The facts are just going to remain. Like, this is not within the realm of integrity any longer. And that's all that matters is, is making sure that the game has integrity. Mm-hmm. So it's like my job as a commentator is never to compromise integrity. For sure, for sure. And so, you know, it's, and again, like, I'm unemotional about the guru thing. I just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, I think that the beef was spurned out of a lot of unprofessionalism. And the vast majority of it was, I thought he was a lot of hot air. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm not going to take money out of his fucking pocket that I don't deserve. Like, I'm not beating him at that point. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I, I would effectively maybe be helping somebody else. Like, that's not... That doesn't interest me at all. Yeah. I don't care if he wins this bracelet or not. That doesn't mean anything to me. So like, get yours. You deserve to win this. You were the better player who had a chip lead. Heads up. Like, I certainly don't want to have any influence in compromising that. And the chat like saying like, oh, you're taking credit for this guy run up. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that we're compromising the integrity of this heads up match. Whether it's happening or not. Right. Whether it's happening or not, the availability for it to happen is, is taking place. And that's a massive oversight that needs to be corrected. And until it is, I'm just not going to say anything strategic anymore. Call you Young Integrity. That's your new, that's your new name. Sure. Young, in, young Integrity. I wish I were young. <laughs> I mean, you're still less than 40, man. That's right. Dumb. What happens that's whenever that's not true anymore? <laughs> then you just bag a bad chick that's like about 29. Mm-hmm. And then you just feel younger. You look younger. Right. Your testosterone goes up because you're looking at something nice every day. Mm-hmm. I got a plan in my head, man. I got a plan in my head. I already know how my 40s going to look. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So our next topic is it's a fight for the cash grab, man. Like everybody's online, you know, not only because of the COVID, but it's also tournament season. And everyone wants a piece of the pie. Like all the, all the big corporations want a piece of the pie. And some people are having some thoughts, even some executives at some places like that. So first, the players are saying, uh, you know, this is going to run out, liquidity, the backers are going to run out of money. And Pads was the first one to put this out. And he put out the tweet. He's effectively saying, like, you know, he's been watching things for two months. And he's saying, like, you know, there was an opportunity, but it's not the same anymore. Like, it, 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 thing, the money's going to dry up. The backers are going to go broke. Like, there's a lot of things going on. The, the, so many rebuys, all these things. And... Rob Young, who's also part of the the party poker, you know, collective there as well as uh, pads, excuse me. 
he says like, okay, things need to start changing. And he puts out his own tweet recently. And he starts saying like, okay, like these are the list of things that the community needs to change. Like, and why all these other online sites are doing these money grabs. They're increasing re-entries. They're increasing, artificially increasing the prize pools, letting people sign up with five bigs, like letting all these re-entries be unlimited, adding levels to the structure. We see this with ACR. They add like the, the 550, 1050 level. Like, which is why I'm like, yeah, I like these structures, you know? Like, but they cater to the pros, mm. right? The pros are gonna like the structure. They could get in longer. They have backing deals that are definitely gonna let them fire. And it, it hurts long-term the ecosystem, sure. is, is what Rob Young is saying. Let's have that conversation first, because the conversation is, we want big guarantees. We've heard this before. The sites are like, we want big rake. That's what's giving us more money. So the longer we let these, these re-entries go in, the more rake we get. The more levels we put in, the more rake they get. And on the side of, of the players, they're looking at, it's a million guarantee out there. you know. So is this really killing the ecosystem? Is this really something we should change? Rob Young says he's going to do it. He had a conversation with you know a little back and forth between him and Phil Nagy saying like, yeah, let's change it and let's get all the other people to change it. Yep. Nagy's saying like, I've been trying to talk to, you know, all these guys for a while. Like, help me. Let's, let's get together. Let's have this conversation. I don't see how ACR leads the charge in this. I'm well, gonna... at the end of the day, like, look, we could love ACR, hate ACR. Like they have a market share and it's not that small. Yeah. But you know? like <laughs> those guarantees start getting cut in half because the registrations are shortened and mm. re-entry goes down. Yeah. They're not going to have that market share anymore, right? Like people aren't going to show up to ACR to play the same events that they're playing on, on WSP. They're not going to show up for a 40. Understand that every Tuesday of the 40K is the biggest guarantee that WSP is running on a regular schedule, right? Right. And imagine that's what ACR becomes. Nobody's going to show. The rec money disappears. So like the guarantees are a big part of these companies marketing. Yeah. And it's important for them to be able to put up big ones and, uh, continue to to draw eyes uh i really wanted to have pads on for this because i like his take i think that he's right i think we're looking i mean i've been saying this for months now uh i think we're looking at an online event mm. let's call it i don't want to call it the apocalypse i don't know that this is where it crumbles but we're looking at an economical event whether that's a reduction in the ecosystem and the amount of money that's available or it's a reduction in the volume that these sites can offer, or it's a reduction in the guarantee. Something has to give. We are right at the precipice of the same bubble that Full Tilt artificially created pre-Black Friday, right? I don't know if people remember, but they were the first to really initiate the... The revise and the re-entries, re right? You could that was like right before they were trying to get that money grab. Yeah, and they did it in a unique way where like you could actually just fire multiple times in the same tournament and then... Uh, combine your stacks that's wild so you could have like five entries in the same event and uh as they survived like if you had three of them make the final table they just combined to one that's so wild yeah but it's so negative ev now that like we look back on it yeah so you know we're kind of in the same situation where everybody's striking while the iron's hot because of the COVID opportunity and people are home and pe but people are out of work you know economies are collapsing or on the verge of collapse worldwide that doesn't leave a lot on the bone for poker. So either these sites are short-sighted and they're saying like, we're going to get what we can now 
while there's money to get and then just deal with the fallout later. Or uh, they just aren't seeing the forest through the trees the way Rob is and the way Nagy is, I guess, claiming but to. Rob is doing Rob says he sees it, but party poker, 100 million guarantee. Mm-hmm. Is he playing the game too? Like, like we see the graphic. It says 100 million guarantee. It's it's up there. They partner with WPT, just like GG partnered with WSOP. They're all like they're all like gearing up with their with their squad. Like they're yeah. they're squatting up. It's like the fucking Crips and Bloods out there. Like it's no it's no joke. Like These I don't I don't know events. who the Latin Kings are, but I'm rolling with them. <laughs> These are special events, though. They should they should come with a big guarantee. Like they should get people hype. I think what Pad's point was is that these are now occurring every week, mm-hmm. and they're just like lasting for a month. Like we've had, we've had a massive guaranteed series every single week since COVID began yeah. on some site, right? Mm-hmm. And Pad's point is that, uh, you know, from high stakes down to low, this is just too much. This is too much. Stables are going to break. Uh, you know, we're going to see players get broken, and the sites are just eventually going to vacuum up all the money. Uh, so I really liked his take on the current state of affairs what i was most interested in talking to him about was how he foresaw us coming out of it because i think his view is a lot more optimistic than mine he was basically saying that we would just see this corrective process take place and the market would in in essence correct there would be less rebuys there would be or re-entries um guarantees may take a short-term hit but eventually would recover um late entry would be reduced Mm -hmm. which Party Poker is already taking a lot of these steps and seemingly with positive results. I saw Rob tweet out yesterday or today that they've reduced uh, the re-entry levels by one every day for the last X amount of days on one specific tournament on Party. Oh, and they're like seeing the data. Yeah, and the guarantees has still been met. It's still been supported. So I think they've reduced it all the way down to six levels now, and his plan is to get it down to four, I believe, or five, something like that. And the guarantee hasn't budged. So people are still showing up. They're just showing up a little bit earlier. Obviously, sites need to figure out a way to incentivize early registration because right now, late registration is too incentivized. Um, but Right, the GG did that a little bit with like they're having their bubble protection. If you show up yeah. on time and you bubble the tournament, you get your buying back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the chat is saying like, maybe we should have Phil Nagy on this this podcast. I know you- I Sure, know you- it's just Nagy's like talking to Helmuth or Matisau, right? It's just mm-hmm. like, I've seen that interview with Ingram. Yeah. It's hard to have an open, honest, vulnerable conversation with somebody who's only interested in pushing an agenda. And I'm not, I'm not accusing him of anything. He's a businessman. That should be what his agenda is. It's just like, what do we get out of it? You know, like, basically, we put ourselves in a position where either I try to get an I gotcha moment or we just give him a platform to basically push whatever the hell he wants the public to believe. What do you think that is? That ACR is an up-and-coming site that can compete with the big boys and that he's doing everything above board and that botting is not an issue and that all of these things that we perceive to be an issue just are not a thing. Mm. Um, I think that ACR has a path to being a major player. I just think their infrastructure is way behind. And because the money is coming so freely, it's not being addressed. It constantly gets band-aided where he's just like, we'll deal with that when it happens. We'll deal with, you know what I mean? Like Nagy's a one-man show. He's putting out so many fires so often. I know what it's like, man. I get it. Mm -hmm. But like at some point, you just have to press pause and say like, I'm going to build the proper infrastructure, the proper security, the proper 
teams in place. We're making enough money where I can pay third parties to handle this type of shit. Yeah. To get rid of the bots. To get and and you know he's made efforts for sure, but like we're lying to ourselves if we're of the impression that this is just like a straight on the up and up site that we have as much confidence in as we do poker stars. There's a reason poker stars is still number one. Yeah. Yeah, people trust PokerStars. Right. People trust it. Not- ACR is rest of the world. Why aren't they number one? That's a good point. Like, they're, they're the only rest of the world site that gets American players in. It's it's interesting. I'm curious what he would say. I, I'm actually going to review the the kind of interview again with Joe Ingram. Because I, I remember watching. I don't remember exactly what he said. But I remember him being, like, a little bit, like, I'm trying. But, yeah. like, not really saying, like, what. That's my point. That's my point. If you're not going to be transparent and vulnerable then it's just a bunch of hot air. And I don't want to hear I don't want to I don't want to have an interview with him where he's saying like we're trying all of these things and we're innovating and we're we I promise you it's going to be bot free and it's going to be this and it's going to be that because now my job as an interviewer is to say bullshit. Mm. Right? Show me the receipts. And now you're putting him in an uncomfortable situation where it's like I'm just going to back you into a corner if you don't come with cold hard evidence. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm like cautiously optimistic. Like I, I like, I like what they have to offer. I, I would love to see it be clean. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like at the end of the day, I'm like, kind of like turning a blind eye and like hoping that I'm not running into bots and like hoping that the bots are just like not that good anyway. And like, it's going to be, if fine. we could quantify how much EV you lose to unfair edges, I think you would stop playing on there. Oh, you know me. And not yeah. just on there. Oh, well, yeah, maybe you would just seek out the unfair edges. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, that's not what I meant. <laughs> I meant like if I think I'm taking the worst, but I'm out. Like yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, wait a second, you guys took five percent. And I'm not even just saying there. I, I'm sure that it's not just an ACR problem, but ACR is the only place that you can play. So I'm going to put a focus on it. Mm. If if I could actually demonstrate to you how much you're losing between real time assistance, botting, hand sharing, or or like collusion amongst yeah. collectives, Skype. Yeah, yeah, basically all of the things that are definitely taking place in the online environment. It, you're not losing as much EV as the losing player probably is, but I promise you that you're not winning your expectation. Yeah, yeah, your 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 expectations going down. Yeah, for, for everybody though. Yeah, it, a lot of people say like it's kind of like team versus team. It's like yeah, you know, it, it's a lot. I of just I I mean I'm sure that that's true. I don't know enough about what's going on behind the scenes, but I I just know that like. Not everybody's operating with integrity. I trust that Pads does because he's created a public persona that makes me want to trust him. But And he also like hasn't done anything to make me call it into question. But the fact of the matter is, it's the exact same thing that we were talking about with the WSOP stream. When 30 guys are grinding in the same room, the same schedule, the opportunity to cheat is there. The integrity has already been breached. What can the sites do? Because like a lot of recreational players, you can do don't... what WSOP does, but there's workarounds. That's the problem. Right. Well, a lot of a lot of a lot of people think this. Like you know, I have conversation with recreational players, like mm. like wealthy ones too. Yeah. They they even ask me honestly, like straight up. They're like, "Can I grind with you? Because if I make a final table, I want you there." Yeah. Like. It's that open. Yeah. Like, that's a crazy statement. Yeah, like, that's a problem. Literally asking me to, like, right. help them when they make the final table. Right. Because they, they understand that that's how it works. Right. And that's the problem. It's like, you know, going back to, like, these, these grind houses and these stables, it's like, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. But understand that you, as the person operating these grind houses and stables, what you're asking me as a fellow consumer is to trust your integrity. That's not fair. 
That's not fair because we could just set up systems in place where you just can't force that trust onto me. In a free market, I shouldn't have to trust anybody, right? Mm -hmm. I should trust that the system is just and fair and that there's no workarounds to compromise uh, the fairness of it all, right? And the fact of the matter is, whenever we're just assuming that 30 people in a house grinding the same schedule aren't sharing anything to give themselves edge, it's really unfair to those who aren't in that house, right? Yeah. And that, that, that extrapolates. That extrapolates out to botting. That extrapolates out to real-time assistance. That extrapolates out to all of this technology that's being developed, right? Everybody can point to it and say like, oh, it's not an issue because I'm still winning at a really high rate and online is still soft. It's like, yes, those two things are absolutely true, yeah. but they are independent of the fact that this other problem is currently existing and other people aren't you. Other people aren't as good as you. Right. So now the break even slight winner turns into the break even slight loser. The slight loser to moderate loser turns into the whale. The whales cease to exist. Right. Like, and then if you're really good and have real time assistance, you just become like a god. Right. Shout out to Linus Love. <laughs> Why? I'm what just saying, doing? man, I heard. I've heard. What, what is this? The rumor mill now? I don't care. I say how it is, man. I'm the realest fucking podcaster in poker. Mm -hmm. Like, Joey's my man, but like he's not just gonna say it. He's like allegedly, allegedly this, allegedly that. I said it. Like, yo, my man probably <laughs> had real time assistance. Like, whatever, man. It is what it is. Like, if not, then it's on him to like you know say like, yo, I, my, my reputation is important. It's not though. It's 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 not him on him to prove. Like that that's that's an unfair burden of proof. I think because we could just throw out allegations at anybody that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. What I think is worth acknowledging is the fact that the way people get excellent at this game tends to be through the lens of seeing data at scale, right? So it's like, where's the line drawn? Is it drawn at real-time assistance? Is it mass data acquisition, right? Because like we're close with Nick Howard. They run a, a stable of people who are doing mass data analysis, right? That's, that is a lot of information, right? When you can have the 10,000 foot view of what the entire pool does based on 500 million hands, you're going to get somewhat perfect information as a response, right? You're going to see somewhat perfect trend lines exist. So talk to me about that. So you're saying Nick Howard, Power Detox, they're gathering these huge data they're just sets. Buying it. They're buying it. Right. And that... That's against terms of service, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. And that's the thing. Well, I mean, maybe, but maybe not on the sites that they play on. Mm, that's and, true. and the thing is, because is like that we remember, sorry, sorry to cut you no, off. Like we remember when Brian Hastings bought the, 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 the Yeah. The, he bought the hands from Brian Townsend mm -hmm. and played Isildur and had that information, went on to beat Isildur for millions. Yep. End up saying like, okay, this is against terms of service. They both canceled their red pros, uh, it also felt particularly bad because it was a solo event singling out one individual. Yeah. Um, mass data acquisition is taking place at scale. The last upswing course, there was a how to beat OTB. OTB Red Baron. Yeah. Whichever one it was. Uh, I can't remember the kid's name who, who made the course. But he went on Ingram and he said like he felt, he felt a little remiss having created it because he just bought the hands. He just bought the hands, combed through a solver. And said, like, here's where he's exploitable. That's crazy. And then he kind of, like, brushed it off and said, like, oh, well, he's so good. I'm kind of doing him a favor demonstrating his weaknesses, and he'll just get better. 
But you're also like costing him a lot of money. Yeah, it's like it was fucking working. It was fucking working. He doesn't want to get better. He wants people to not know that this is where he's susceptible. Right? It's like, that's fucked up. Feels unfair. It feels super unfair, but like it's happening at scale. And these are the problems that I think online faces that people are unwilling to accept. And it seems that sites, you know, people give World Series a lot of shit because you can't get your hand histories. You can't run a HUD. You can't do all these things. But they're protecting from a lot of these pitfalls. And I think more online sites need to lean into that. It's like all of the players will say like, well, we can't catch cheaters if we can't look for anomalies. It's like, what do you think is happening at a greater scale? Cheating or people purchasing hands to go out and exploit the entire pool and suck up all the money. So your argument is that we're just in a different time. Back in the day, like on Ultimate Bet, on uh, Absolute Poker, there wasn't these things that we needed to well, protect. Well, the security from. was corrupt. Right. The secure like it was more important to protect from cheating because that was more rampant rather than protecting people from having huge data it was, and, and it was more important to protect from cheating because we didn't we didn't realize how powerful the data was yet, number one. Number two, all of these sites were operating in the gray and we didn't know how far we could trust them. So there was just a lot of room for corruption. When you look at WSOP, they are regulated by Nevada and New Jersey gaming. They have an oversight or an overseeing board. The security has to be to a certain standard. We should just trust that they will find the cheating and instead slow down the ability for people to just become a super user themselves because they have perfect information. What would you say to people that would make the argument that poker is data? Like poker is just like the interpretation of data and it, and being able to input that data it is. into solve. Like it is. Into, into you being able yes, to Yes, as a human. It's it's not meant to be a game that collects data at a robust rate from high volume situations and then runs it through AI. That's not fair, right? Poker in its truest form is played live. That's the way the game originated. That's the way that uh, the, the game is most fair because our ability to collect unbiased data, process it, and turn it into strategy is flawed. We can't do it. No matter what, we'll never be able to do it. Chess is the same way. I don't care how studied you are, Magnus or beyond, you'll never be able to parse the data the same way that uh, an engine can. So, so you're saying, to compare this to like outside of poker, you're saying when people buy hands, it's similar to Bill Belichick just like filming the practice. Yep. You just of, get an of insight green, of, of, your, of your opponent. Yeah. You yeah. just get insight to your opponent's game. You literally get to see their strategies unfold, right? Mm -hmm. And in the case of this OTB course, it's literally one person again. So just think about that. Brian Townsend lost his Red Pro status and uh, basically was considered to be a cheat and a thief for a long period of time because he fleeced Isildur, who was just playing off sheer and utter raw talent, right? These guys couldn't figure out a way to beat his talent. So they just dug through the data and found where he was weak, yeah. right? Some may call them innovators. They may say that they're geniuses for doing so. They saw a spot, they took it down, right? Now, there's a course on upswing that literally did the exact same thing to OTB Red Baron. Brian Townsend and Brian uh, Hastings. All right, don't trust Brian's. I got that part. No, you're missing my point. No, 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 I get what you're saying. I'm just adding this to the to the, to the bucket. No, no, but like they were, they were crucified in the community. Now it's being sold as a course on a training site. Yeah, that's crazy. To take down the one of the best players on online. That's wild. Right? It's a one-to-one -one comparison. Yeah. 
The only difference is now Keanu is basically saying like anybody could have bought these hands. Keanu, it's not Keanu. Or That's Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Like Keanu? Keanu Reeves is the fucking matrix. It's okay. one vowel. <laughs> Kanu, Keanu, Kanu. Ka- Kanu. Yeah, Kanu seven. Yeah. So he's basically just saying like anybody could have bought these hands. Anybody could have done this work. And that's fair. But is it? Because you've done this work for scale now for people to purchase. It feels wrong, right? It, it feels just feels, it, it feels wrong. It feels, it feels disincentivizing to have anybody curate talent so you, and play online. Someone gave you. But you're good. I got all the hands yep. from your enemy, Garrett Adelstein. Garrett, not my enemy. <laughs> you know? And he's, you know, he's done well against you on stream. I got all of his hands. I've gone through every single live at the bike hand that he's played. I've run it through the solvers. I run it through multiple. Sorry, I went through simple post flop. I went through Monker. I went through Pio. I did them all. I sent them to the stables. They spit back. I sent them to Poker Detox. They spit back. And it's all right here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sell it to you for a pretty low price of $10,000. Mm-hmm. Would you consider that or do you think that's cheating? And if I have that, one of the best players, live pros in the in the universe, I could end this career and then people might buy it. Do you think that should just be like not a thing? Like that's not. I If that were presented to me, and I know that this is definitely speaking from a moral soapbox. So I want to preface this as I'm just telling you my honest to God truth answer. I would not only not buy it, I would do my damnedest to help Garrett police it and like try to take down that operation. Um, I just think that it, uh, it's not in the spirit of the game to me, right? Like it's, it's not doing anything to grow the health of the game long run or to protect the ecosystem. It's only hurting it. It disincentivizes Garrett from ever playing on TV again. That's a loss to the community. And he didn't want to at first. Right. Long time. Right. And with good reason, if this is going to be the case, right? Because you can't, you can't run from the data. I can manipulate things in real time for what your eyes see. And I can consciously say, okay, I know he saw me do something exploitative and I can make a correction. I can never run from the data. If you pull 200,000 hands and say Berkey overcalls river by 10%, I can't change. I can never change that. If I become aware of it, I can less, I, I could start calling river a little less. But it's not going to hurt you all that much for the strategy that you're employing, right? So, like, the corrective action that I can take based on the data is minimal. Well, not minimal necessarily, but it takes a whole reworking or retooling of my strategy, right? And I have to be aware of the data and the fact that, like, people know the data. And then I also have to be aware of who knows of the data. Because if my current strategy is winning X and a corrective strategy is winning, like, maybe X minus 1 versus the field but it's, it's uh, maintaining my win rate against the people who have this exploitative information against me, what do I do, right? Do I protect myself versus the people who know, or do I continue to win more versus all of those who don't? If you haven't signed up for Solve for Why TV, for $9.99, I have a course that's called How to Beat Matt Berkey. <laughs> it's on the site. It's there. I don't know if it'll work today, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it'll make you better. <laughs> sure it'll make you better shameless plug okay i guess we could talk about covid because it's still going on not going anywhere the rumor was that they were going to shut down las vegas i don't know if that's going to happen hmm. things are going strong you were you were at aria yesterday you were balling out of control at aria you were just like in the club like saying, that was nice yeah the girls look good in the club nah, playing live again was nice what were you playing live in 
2550, 100, which turned into 100, 200, 400. Yeah, that was invited. And then, like, that wasn't going to happen. I, can, I can't afford that. You pussed out. Well, yeah, I would have pussed out. Pussed out. Oh, yeah, we're just playing one, two, four. You know, your standard game, you know. It turned into that. It always turns into that. That's Berkey. fine. Do you understand? That's fine. You understand? Like, mentally, when you tell me, yo, it's 2550, I'm like, okay, it's 2550, 100. Mm. And, like, someone's going to get stuck. Yeah. And then it's like 2550 with like a round of 200. Mm-hmm. Like I was there. I've been there. I know how those games. I went to Texas. I put the 800 on. Yeah. Okay. It was that game. Yeah. Okay. I know how that game is. Like you played I, that game. Yeah, but I didn't always put the 800 on. Like right. in this situation, the 400. I didn't always put the 400 on. Yeah. Well, you know, you probably did. I know you, Burke. You don't just like <laughs> not put the 400 on if like your left puts a 400 on. You're like, I'm not going to be. Like, I know how you think. All right, so you were there in the midst of all of COVID. Yeah. You were just like, I don't care. I put on my mask. Did you wear a mask? Uh, you have to. It's mandatory. Um, state, statewide, it's mandatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's bleak, man. I can't believe there are people. There was like four tables running. There was a point where there wasn't even a cashier. Not Bellagio, though, man. Uh, Bellagio's popping, though. Is it? Yeah, Bellagio's full every day. Every day. Well, it can't be. I mean, it's not. It's full, it's full right? to it's capacity there, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's allowed. Yeah, like the lists are long. Yeah, I know people want to play. I get it. I'm just saying, like it's like uh, I think I was there for five hours and the waitress came once. I think there's like one waitress working the entire uh, casino. Wow, you didn't get your coconut water or watermelon? I don't worry. I, I bring water, man. I'm good. I'm just saying that like uh, it's it's a tough way to operate a business. Like they're definitely operating at like thirty percent mm-hmm. right now. And uh, it's it's not going away anytime soon. We're seeing a big rise again. Nevada's like a fucking, especially Vegas is like the epicenter of people coming, getting sick, and then just uh, we're we're the new Florida. Wow, we're the uh, we're the spring break version of Florida, where they had that map of all the young kids who came to to spring break, and then just dispersed amongst the country and uh, spread COVID coast to coast. Yeah, clearly they went to Arizona because that's where all the spike is. Okay, this is the stat of current hospitalizations. So hospitalizations have gone down. So a lot of people point to this and say like, okay, that's pretty good. Yep. You know, hospitalizations have gone down. But it's kind of a flawed metric because that doesn't mean the overall cases have gone down. Okay, but that's still a very good event. Mm -hmm. Our biggest concern is that the hospitals will be overrun and people won't be able to get other medical care. So a reduction in hospitalization is certainly a very positive event. But I think that we're in a lull right now also Mm. where the reopenings are mostly like two, three weeks old. And usually it takes like four to six weeks to start seeing that uptick in deaths, uptick in, um, you know, hyper illnesses and and things of that nature. So I think we're going to end up like Arizona. I think the casinos are going to have to shut down again. All of Arizona opened with the same protocol as Vegas. And they're certainly not getting the same tourism as Vegas. Mm. And it took, what, two weeks before they completely shut back down? Yeah, I can see that. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Antibodies. That was like the whole big, like, the whole big rave. You know, like, oh, let's get the the antibodies. Like, everyone's going to be like herd immunity or whatever. So Spain ran this study, right, of 30,000 households ends up having roughly 60,000 people, right? They were one of the worst people hit by this. Yeah, right? yeah. So all these people, only 5% of them ended up having herd immunity. That's a really low number, like in yeah. terms of like getting this thing to be solved through that metric. Yeah, yeah. 
Is that something we should just like give up on then? No, I mean, herd immunity will be achieved at some point, but like, yeah, it's not going to happen before a vaccine. Yeah. So I, I don't think anybody was investing in the idea that we're going to achieve herd immunity, or at least I hope not. Uh, judging by the fact that the companies or the country still mostly shut down, I don't think anybody believes that to be true. So uh, yeah, there's still just a lot we don't know. Um, you know, we beat this horse to death, but like more data is going to continue to come out. Smarter people than us are going to parse through it. Hopefully they're going to give it uh, an objective uh, response rather than some sort of political spin or uh, other narrative being pushed. And we're just going to have to do our due diligence and try to take it for what it's worth. What do you think about the political spin? Like a lot of people are saying like, you know, health shouldn't be political. Like medicine shouldn't be political. It's an election year. Right. It, it's so hard for it not to. And this directly correlates to the economy. So this pandemic is a one to one correlation to how our economy is going to proceed in the foreseeable future. And that is absolutely political. That is the backbone of what's going to drive this election. Right. So um, it's really difficult for it not to be taken that way. Uh, it's weird to see the divisiveness where like one side is saying it's a scam it's uh it's all hyperbole and this virus isn't impacting anybody and then the other side saying like this could effectively abolish humans as we know it perky you have a hypothetically in this next sentence i'm about to say you have a kid mm -hmm. that's 21 years old sure he's your own mm -hmm. uh baby berkey mm -hmm. what would you name what would be your son's first name don't know okay i'll leave that up to the girls out there that i'm thinking about you um so John with an H, mm -hmm. um, he goes and says like, "Hey, Dad, uh, I want to play poker just like you, high stakes, and there's a good game at Bellagio. But there's this thing called COVID going on. Mm -hmm. Should I go play?" And you, as Mister Integrity, sure. What would you say? Like, what would what, you say? Like, he's your kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, he's in, in my opinion, he would be super low risk, so it's probably fine as long as he's like protecting himself. My bigger concern is like reducing spread mm -hmm. so it's like if this is your livelihood then sure fine you know wear a mask wash your hands sanitize whatever just don't bring that shit home mm -hmm. kind of thing um i think it's very similar to like the aids pandemic well i don't know if we can call aids a pandemic but like the aids epidemic people didn't stop having sex you know you don't just shut your life down you start to take precautionary measures and uh education becomes paramount Maybe the masks help a ton. Maybe they don't help that much, but it's better safe than sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. If you're out there, you know Berkey's going to be a good dad. Subscribe, like the channel. We peaked 400. Somebody, somebody told some, somebody about this. So really enjoy. Thank you all for the support. But with that said, we're out of here. Enjoy. It.